Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our online gathering again this morning. My name is Jeremy, and I have the privilege of serving as the senior pastor here at First Baptist Church in Zeeland, Michigan. And we're so excited to be gathered from our couches, from our living rooms, from wherever we find ourselves, likely at home this morning, as we study and we worship together the one true and living God. A couple of comments uh, before we begin our study from Habakkuk this morning. And the first one is this. Um, one of the things that our church has been involved in in the past several weeks is uh, helping provide a place where people can safely give blood. And so we work with both the Red Cross and we work with Versity, allowing them to use this facility uh, to be able to uh, receive blood from donors and to then give that on to, to patients in need. And just wanted to share some numbers with you. Um, last week, Versity had a, a blood drive uh, at here at our church and they had a goal of 50 donors. They had 64 donors, 51 were whole blood givers, four were double red, and I'm not medical, so I'm just assuming that's really good. Um, but first time donors, 28. Uh, during this time, one of the great things that we do need to make sure that we have uh, to care for people well is blood. And so thank you for those of you who have played a part in that and there's other stuff going on. We'll get to that photo in just a moment here. Um, the other thing that's been going on is a lot of encouragement in prayer. Uh, I've been, a, been able to have several conversations with people across our city and even kind of out, out further than that over the course of the last week, uh, going on a walk and talking with someone on the phone or uh, exchanging emails or text messages or Marco Polo-ing, if that's a verb now. Um, finding ways to connect and to encourage and to pray with people. And so I encourage you to continue doing that. I know that that is happening within our community. And still, continue to reach out to people, maybe people you don't know super, super well, but you want to drop them a card or, or, or put, put something in the mail to, to brighten their day. I know my kids each got um, something in the mail this week, and they just absolutely loved it. It brought a smile to their face. Uh, use this time where we're in our houses more, to turn that, uh, that opportunity around and be a blessing to someone in your midst. Um, another thing is, as we gather each week, I've been so thankful to see how many people and to hear how many people are joining us with these teachings. And so continue to share um, our teachings and what we're doing here as a church uh, with your friends. We desire to know Christ and to make Him known in this community and in this world. And we trust and we pray that God will continue to bless that work as we faithfully serve Him. Now on to this fa fantastic photo. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, the student ministry started meeting online. Uh, and so if you have, if you're a student and this is middle school and Pastor Tom and I just jumped in because we wanted to see what's going on. Uh, if you're a student and you're not involved in that, I encourage you to contact Pastor Cameron uh, at our office and he will get you connected. I know uh, Real Life High School Ministry is meeting tonight on Zoom as well. And if you need the um, link for that, we'd be happy to give it to you. Also, thank you for sending us your photos last week. I, I literally, between Facebook, my phone, my email, received so many pictures 
pictures of you guys with your coffee and with your breakfast and gathered around the, the, t- the TV as a family uh, or the computer or the tablet as a family ready to hear God's word. And I, and I can't tell you how much that excites me. Um, someone created for us, I won't show it to you right now, but, but there's this board uh, right behind uh, where the camera's at really. And it's pictures of people in our church. And so it's almost like we have this small little gathering going on today. And it's so encouraging uh, to, to know that you're engaging with the scripture. And that's why we gather, because we want to know God's word so we can love God more, uh, more deeply. So send us again the photos of you and your family gathering around the teaching here this morning. Uh, a couple of other announcements as we uh, begin to go here. Uh, first is this. Um, there's going to be no in-person gatherings uh, until after April 13. We'll be reassessing that as the day comes uh, closer, but we are going to find creative ways to gather together. One of those ways is what I have termed the MWBSG, or the Midweek Bible Study Gathering, that we started talking about this week. So uh, on Wednesday at 12 noon, so during the lunch hour time there, if you follow a 12 uh, hour um, lunch time, we are going to be gathering for a Bible study via Zoom. And so I invite you to participate in that. And I would love to have you join us. We're going to be studying the book of Jonah for the next four weeks. And so I'm going to be taking this week, and Pastor Tom's going to be taking the next week, Lord willing. And um, we will have a great time. If you want to know more about that, you can sign up for our weekly email update, which is at the bottom of your screen, all the way down in the bottom right-hand corner. You, you can sign up for that, or you can just email our office or call our office, and we will get back to you. Also, because of the various self-isolation things. Our office does not have regular hours the next two weeks. And so if you need us, there's a pastor on-call number there where you can reach us. Uh, we are, we're still working. We're just working from home as much as we can. Only when we must be in the office are we, are we coming in. So thanks so much for understanding that. And please reach out if there's anything we can do to serve you. Um, lastly, I just want to, uh, to let you know that Barb Taylor, uh, who, who I had the pleasure of getting to meet uh, 14, almost 14 years ago when we moved here, um, she passed away this last week. We sent that out via our weekly prayer email updates. Uh, you can sign up for those on our, on our website too. But I wanted to let you as our church family know that. She was in her early 90s. Uh, I had the privilege of visiting her a couple weeks ago. And um, she, she didn't die because of anything related to the coronavirus. But um, yet her, her family is rejoicing that she is with the Lord. And yet they're also... Um, sad because she's a fantastic um, mom and grandma and servant of the kingdom. And so uh, just remember to keep uh, her family in your prayers right now because of everything going on. Um, the family has decided to postpone any memorial service till some of this health stuff clears up. And we'll let you know, know more as we do about that. So thanks. Thanks for uh, praying for her. Now, as we continue, uh, you have a bulletin Uh, that you can download from the live stream page where you are at, and it has a scripture reading. And I just want to read this as we we begin our, our study this morning. Psalm 96 says, Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His wonderful works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods. 
For the, all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Psalm 96, verses 1 through 9. Let's pray together as we begin. Our Father and our King, we ascribe all worth and all honor and glory to you because, God, you alone are worthy of it. As we open your word this morning, God, we pray that it would become alive to us, that we would have the ability to understand, that we would have the ability to hear and not just have, you know, like sound come in our ears, but hear so that we might obey. Here so that we might love you in how we seek to live our lives this day. God, you know each situation represented by our congregation and by our, um, our, our people gathered here. And God, you meet us where we are and we thank you and we bless you for that. Thank you, God, that we can rejoice in the Lord always. We can say it again, rejoice, because our joy is not found in our circumstance. Our joy is found in in the truth that you love us and that you care for us and that you are working your purposes even when we don't fully understand them. We bless you, Lord God, our King and our Redeemer. And together we say, Amen. Hope you said amen with me at the end there. Thank you, thank you, thank you for gathering with us today. This morning, we are going to be studying the book of Habakkuk, all right? Some of you might know it as Habakkuk, and I'll probably go back and forth because of old habits. In Hebrew, it's Habakkuk, and Habakkuk is a is a, a book, it's a minor prophet, Habakkuk is, and it doesn't mean, by saying minor prophet, it doesn't mean that he's less important. It just means that his scroll is a lot shorter than Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and so on. And so I encourage you to uh, open your scripture, either digital or otherwise with me, to the book of Habakkuk this morning. We're going to focus our study on chapter 3, but in order to focus our study on chapter 3, I need to give you a little bit of background. And luckily, it's only about three chapters long, and so we'll try and make it through these first uh, couple, trying to give you the picture and the context of why um, Habakkuk is rejoicing before God. Um, Our our focus verses for today uh, are found in Habakkuk 3, verse 16 to the end. He says this, he says, I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. That's where we're headed. But before we get there and we understand what's going on and why he says that and why he can say that, we have to back up a little bit. So Habakkuk, here's just a couple of background things for you. Habakkuk, minor prophet, he, he, he ministered at the time of Jeremiah, Nahum, and Zephaniah. Um, Habakkuk seems to be a musician. 
go go musicians and I'll kind of talk more about that in a minute here but um, but he's likely or perhaps someone who served within the temple he, he uses phrases that for example are only used in the Psalms phrases like Selah um, phrases like Shigianoth which we'll get there in just a minute too um, Many scholars place the writing of Habakkuk around 605 BCE. Now, um, this is after Israel, the northern tribes, have been taken off into, into, Babel, into captivity. What happens, just as a kind of reminder for us, um, after Solomon, Solomon, there's a united kingdom. Shortly after Solomon's reign, there's a division between the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes, Israel and Judah. Um, in 722, Israel is taken off into captivity. In 586, Jerusalem falls and the rest of Judah is taken into captivity. And so we find Habakkuk ministering at a time when Babylon, Babylon is knocking at the door, uh, but there's great wickedness. There's, there's great um, uh, godlessness in many ways within the culture, even in Judah. Now, Israel was more wicked more quickly, and so they got exiled uh, sooner than Judah did. But Judah's time is coming because their lives do not reflect what God has called them to live out in the land. This short three-chapter book is, is not what many prophetic books are about. Most prophetic books are a prophet telling a people, here's what the Lord says. Habakkuk is different. Habakkuk is, is, a, is a book that details a wrestling conversation that Habakkuk the prophet has with God. All right? Just think about this. Here's a guy going to God and saying, God, I don't understand. God, why won't you? And he goes through all these paces. This is, this is a window into a conversation that this prophet has with the Lord. Now, one of the things I want you to note, and you'll see it throughout the book, is that Habakkuk refers to the Lord as yod heh vav okay? So whenever you see in your Bible, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the covenantal name of God, okay? There's, there's many words that are used for God. There's Elohim, there's Adonai, but this is the big one. Um, whenever you see yod heh vav we read Hebrew from um, right to left, yod heh vav Yahweh is likely how it was pronounced. Whenever you see capital L-O-R-D, you know it's referring to this covenantal name of God. Now, why does that matter? Um, the covenantal name of God communicates um, relationship. It, it communicates that God has come to engage with his people in something, something very incredible. You know, the covenantal name first begins in Genesis, and in God, the Lord God is walking with Adam and Eve. And go on forth, it's, it's this word that, that comes to Abraham. Uh, Habakkuk is not having a conversation in his book with a higher power or a deity that he does not know, but with the God of his forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, years ago, my wife and I were traveling in Israel on a biblical studies trip, and, and George, who was, our, who was our leader for this trip, he, he helped us understand this word in a very important way. And here's how he describes um, the divine name of God, the covenantal name of God. Um, and I'll personalize this for me, but I want to give attribution to him. Um, to understand yod heh vav in the covenantal nature of this, it's like saying this. Uh, I have uh, 
I have a ma- many titles in my life. You know, you might call me Jeremy. You might call me Pastor Jeremy. You might call me, um, I, I used to be known as Cobb years ago, just like Cobb, that was it. Um, I, I might be known uh, by, by a whole host of names, Reverend Cobb. If the IRS calls, it's Mr. Cobb or something like that. Not that they call. Uh, they, they don't usually, <laughs> um, but it's almost tax season. Um, I can go by a number of different names, but there's only three people in this world that can call me dad. Ephraim, Maya, and Asaph. Only those three people can call me dad because only they have this intimate covenant relationship with me in that manner. To come to God and say, Yahweh means covenant relationship, right? Very, very important because it describes how Habakkuk comes to to engage with God and even kind of gives us a window as to why God engages the way he does with Habakkuk. And so um, the book of Habakkuk is um, is essentially a conversation with God. And this conversation occurs throughout chapters 1 and 2. And the conversation goes something like this. Habakkuk in chapter 1 verses uh, 2 through 4, he says, God, why do you tolerate wrong and injustice within Judah? God, why do, you, why do you tolerate this? Don't you see how wickedly we treat one another? God, where is your justice with this? And the Lord responds to him, and I'm condensing this for you, in the next several verses, and he says, Yes, I see, and I'm actually going to do something about it, Havakuk. Uh, see the Babylonians? You know the Babylonians. They're kind of a big superpower on the world today. Their military is huge. It's ginormous, if you will. I am going to bring judgment upon Judah using them, okay? (laughs) That's the first conversation in a nutshell. The second conversation, Habakkuk says, God, you're eternal, you're holy, but, but you're using the Babylonians to punish Judah? Don't you understand? They're worse than we are. The Lord responds to him in chapter two, and he, and he, he says, hey, I want you to write this down, Habakkuk, presumably so it could be shared. I want you to write this down. And in chapter two, he outlines a series of five woes and three assurances. All right, the five woes are this. And by the way, a woe is a lament of harsh criticism for human conduct. He's essentially decrying how they have acted towards one another. All right, woe, a lament of harsh criticism. And really all of Habakkuk's writing here is a lament. If we could, if we could term it in anything, it would be, it would be known as a lament. Um, and the first woe is found in verse 6 in the couple verses following. He says, woe to the person who steals to make himself wealthy. In other words, pursuing selfish ambition. Don't do that. That's not good. The second woe is found in verse 9 and following. He, woe to the person who builds his realm through unjust gain. In other words, they covet. They want something that they don't have, and they build this, this, this realm unjustly. Don't do that. That doesn't honor God, he says. Um, woe to the person who builds a city with bloodshed, who exploits workers for their own benefit. He says, Woe upon that person. I'm, I, I am criticizing that conduct because it is not in keeping with who I am. The fourth woe is woe in verse 15 uh, to people who profits by intoxicating his neighbors and engaging in violence. Drunkenness and violence, God says, this, this is not right. 
and he brings criticism. And the last woe is found in the last part of chapter uh, 2 in verses 18 and following. He says this, he says, Woe to the person who makes a God out of a piece of wood and expects that piece of wood to actually give guidance. You know, they, they, they were building Asherah poles. They were building all sorts of idols, thinking that these things would replace God. Thinking that the covenantal God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was not sufficient to meet their needs. And so they would build all these things and they would try to find their fulfillment, try to find their happiness, try to find all these things in these things. And God says, I, 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 I want to just criticize this. Woe upon this. It's a lament of harsh criticism because of human conduct. This is what Habakkuk, Habakkuk is writing down on behalf of God. But in the midst of this, God gives three assurances. The assurances come in chapter 2, verse 4, where it says, um, where it says, See, he's puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. If you've read any of the New Testament, the apostolic writings, you'll know this comes up over and over. The, the, the righteous, we, we come to God because of God's grace, which we accept and we receive through faith. And, and, and God is reminding that in the midst of all this, He is a gracious God. The second assurance comes in verse 14, and it's the assurance of God's glory. Um, Habakkuk is saying, God, you're holy. How can you, how can you allow all this wickedness to go on around you? And, and God reminds him, I am holy. My glory will be pursued. Verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. And the third assurance that he gives is that, um, that I, God, will have power over the earth. We see in verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in his presence. You, you, you come to the end of all these things and, and it says the Lord, and that should be capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Sorry about that. Is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in his presence. Why? Because God is over everything. Even when we don't fully understand what God is doing and God's plan, which is what Habakkuk is saying. He's like, God, I don't understand why you're allowing this wickedness to go on. And God is saying, don't worry, Habakkuk. This, is, this does not escape my heart. It doesn't escape my mind. There is judgment coming. Um, remember, I'm in my holy temple. Be silent in my presence. Several times in the scripture, we see this, this engagement, this encounter with God. And, and as this encounter goes, the, the person who's engaging with God, whether it be Isaiah, whether it be Moses, whether it be Habakkuk, they come to a point where they say, I'm silent in God's presence. God, I understand your ways are good. Your ways are right. Your ways are just, even when I may not fully understand them. Now, um, I, I subtitled this message, uh, which is about worship in every circumstance, as Habakkuk's Shigianoth. Okay? Uh, Habakkuk's Shigianoth. Shigianoth is is an interesting word. It means this. It's a musical notation meaning an energetic, energetic, passionate song with rapid changes of rhythm. 
And so in the midst of all this and hearing that God is going to be sending Babylon to bring judgment upon Habakkuk and his people for the sins of the nation, he hears this and he writes a song. Now, note that um, nothing has changed about Habakkuk's uh, circumstance. Um, except for this. He, he, he trusts that God will be faithful to his covenant with Israel. He's reminded again of God's holiness, of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness. He, he, he knows that God will judge Judah with the forces of Babylon. His dialogue with God has now ceased, but he's reminded of who God is because of the word of the Lord. And this word has set in, into place the stage for proper worship. In light of the holiness of God, what should be our response? Well, regardless of whatever our circumstance, the response should be this, worship. A shiginoth, an energetic, passionate song, is what Habakkuk engages in in chapter 3. Um, and in chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, uh, Habakkuk, or Habakkuk recounts what God has done. And there's a specific incident that comes back multiple times in these verses. Uh, verse 3, um, he says, well, verse 2, uh, he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. See, th this was a people whom God was bringing judgment to, and he says, God, in your wrath, which is just because of the presence and the reality of sin, God, in your wrath, remember your mercy towards us. And he recounts many ways in which God has been merciful and gracious to his people. And in verse 3, it says, God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His, his glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. And when he talks about these two places, Timon and Mount Paran, he's, he's referencing a geographical region south of Israel where God led his people after they came out of Egypt. All right. Habakkuk is going to be referencing this Egypt metaphor, this out of slavery and into the, the promises and the fulfillment of God for his people. He's, he's going to reference this many times and he starts here. In verse 5, you'll notice, he says, Plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. Th these words of plague hearken back to the plagues that God brought upon Pharaoh when he would not let God's people go because of his own haughtiness, because of his own pride. And God, God asserted himself as who he is, God. And he, and he brought plagues and he brought his people out of Egypt. Uh, verse 13 talks about the deliverance of people and the anointed one. It says, um, you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader with the hand of the wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. Verse 15 again recalls a miracle. Verse 15 says, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. And it recalls to mind the deliverance that God brought when all of God's people, the children of Israel, were backed up against Yam Suf, the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army is coming at them. And they can't go this way because there's water and they've got, um, you know, the world's greatest army coming at them this way. And they say, God, what are we to do? Actually, I think they complain to God first, but Moses says, stand and watch what the Lord is going to do. And God delivers them by having Moses lift his hands and parts the sea. 
and the, the people of Israel walk through on dry ground and they get to the other side and Moses puts down his hands and Pharaoh's army, which is coming after him, is, is just plummaged through the crashing of the waters. God brings deliverance out of Egypt and brings them into a place where they would get to know who God is and live in the place where God has for them. See, what I want us to understand is part of this story is that God is a deliverer. God is someone who, who not just brings his people out of Egypt. In fact, on a spiritual level, he brings all of us out of our Egypts, our, our, our places where we were stuck in our trespasses, in our sin, in our guilt. And he, through the work of his son, he brings redemption. In fact, it's only through Jesus that any of us can find true freedom, true hope, and true joy. When Jesus came, he, he came to do the will of the Father. He says, there's no other way to the Lord except through me. Through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and believing and trusting in that for our, with our entire lives and saying, God, we, for, we, we repent of our sins. God, forgive us. We find that God brings us new life through his Son. He brings us out of those old ways of living and gives us power to increasingly walk for his honor and for his glory in the day that God has made for us today. Now, so God is a deliverer. Now, we come to our focus verses for the day, right? We just had to get there before we could get to this point. Um, Verse 16 There's a context. I hope you understand now. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. He knows Babylon is coming for Judah. He knows it's imminent. He doesn't know exactly when, but he knows Babylon is coming. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Just imagine facing this this coming impending sense of doom. But notice what it says next. It says, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity. I don't know many of us who say, myself included, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity. God, I don't know what you're doing. God, I don't understand. We live in this time of incredible uncertainty in our world where things are up in the air for some of us. Some of our jobs are up in the air right now. Some of our houses might be up in the air. Some of our pensions may have just tanked. Our 401k has gone down the tube. Um, Our health might be threatened right now. There may be family issues. Beyond all the coronavirus stuff, there, there may be family issues going on in your life right now. And you're like, God, it just seems to keep coming and coming and coming. And here's, I think, a principle we can take from Habakkuk. Yet I will wait patiently for the day. I'll wait, I'll wait patiently. Now, the, the word here for wait patiently, it's a really neat word. And it means this. It means to sigh or to rest. In other words, to wait patiently in the midst of all the stuff that keeps coming at us is to go, Wherever you are, whatever your seat you're in, maybe you're standing right now, would you just do this with me? Just take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. I 
will wait patiently. I will sigh. I will rest. Why can Habakkuk say this? And here's the focal point of the book, verses 17, 18 and following. He says in verse 17, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, and though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. I want you to understand that picture he just painted is destruction. There's no food. There's no animals. The, the, the things that an agrarian economy needs to build what they need to get them through the next season and the next season beyond that, all these things are gone. He says, all, even though all these things are gone and the trees aren't blossoming and the crops aren't producing what they should, he says, in the midst of this really deep, dark, troubling time, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Now, if you write in your Bibles, maybe two things I want to suggest you underline here. The yet I will in verse 16, yet I will wait patiently, and the yet I will, and this is an NIV, yours might say it a little differently, um, but the yet I will in 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. The idea of the word rejoice here means to exult or to triumph. All right, here's a person who is awaiting uh, an invading army to come and take Judah away for exile. And he says, I'm going to exult. I'm going to triumph in my circumstance. No. In the things I see around me. No. In the fact that Babylon is bringing destruction. No. What am I going to rejoice in? I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. In the Lord is always where we rejoice. Paul says in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Every moment of our day, we are faced with a decision, many decisions, but here's one of the decisions we're faced with. Am I going to rejoice in the Lord right now, or am I going to get stuck in the mire of my mind, or the mire of my circumstance, or the mire of my situation, and let that dictate what I do today? That's the fate, that's the choice that we are faced with every single day. Habakkuk says, I will be joyful. I will shout in exaltation is the word there for joyful or to rejoice in God, my Savior. I in the Lord will rejoice. I, I love it that joyful means to shout in exaltation. I think this is one of the many reasons why it's good that when we gather, especially face to face, we sing. Because when we sing, we have the opportunity to shout triumphantly to God, to declare who God is, to declare what God has done, and to get our eyes back off of our circumstances and back up on the one who is sufficient for our daily needs. Um, one of the other kind of neat things about this verse if you read it in Hebrew, uh, it's emphasized in a particular way. It's emphasized with the subject, uh, I, first. And that doesn't, that doesn't always happen in Hebrew. Oftentimes, the verb comes first. So oftentimes, in a Hebrew sentence, you'd see rejoice, and then you'd find this, the subject, and then you might find you know, the content of it. But literally, if you were to literally translate it in the order that it's given, it's giving emphasis to what it's saying here. Habakkuk says, but I, in the Lord, will rejoice. Say that with me. But I in the Lord will rejoice. All right, so you underlined yet I will. Maybe something you could do this week is you could write this phrase and put it somewhere prominent in your house. But I 
in the Lord will rejoice. I don't know if that's at your kitchen, in front of your sink or your stove, if that's upstairs on your desk, if if you're still going into work right now, maybe that's uh, next to your keyboard or next to your monitor, but I, in the Lord, will rejoice. You get a piece of troubling news. You get something that brings you down. You say, God, but I, in the Lord, will rejoice. God, I will rejoice because you have been faithful. God, you have delivered me from sin. You've delivered me from from all the effects of sin upon my life. God, you've given me your spirit to to live out um, out in my life so that I can have love and joy and peace and patience, all these fruits that come from you, God. God, in you, I will rejoice. I love um, this definition of joy. There's many good definitions of joy out there. I love this definition of joy by one of my favorite Bible teachers, Dr. Randy Smith. It says this, joy is the resolute assurance that God has neither lost interest in my problems nor the power to deal with my problems. You're facing uh, problems today? Like Habakkuk, you can go to God and you can say, God, I don't understand. And God's word, though, reminds us that even as Habakkuk goes to God, he says, God, I don't understand. And God brings some clarity to, to Habakkuk. He tells him what's going to happen. In the midst of that, what he's teaching him is this principle. Joy is the resolute assurance that God has neither lost interest in my problems nor the power to deal with them. Isn't that so good? God cares about you. He cares about the struggles and the problems and the trials that you are going through. And not only does he care about them, he's interested in them. Not only is he interested in them, he has power to deal with them. But even as we um, studied the book of James several weeks ago, one of the things that God often uses in our life to, to, to mature us, to help us grow in our faith, is he, he allows trials, not, not, not temptations. That's something different. The temptation of sin doesn't come from the Lord. But the trials that we experience in life are things that God uses to make us more like him, to make us mature and complete, lacking in nothing in our faith. Now, want you to get that point and just a couple more things before we close. He ends this by saying, um, he ends this by, 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 with these words. He says in verse um, 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. This is a photo that my friend Ben sent in. This is sent in last week. Um, they're gathering around the teaching for this morning. Ben, hope you're still doing that today. That'd be great. But what I loved, I, I loved all the photos I received. But this one was, was epic in a different sort of way because I've never seen my face plastered between two pretty good-sized bucks. And this is West Michigan through and through. Just, just some awesome uh, finds and hunts there. Um, but one of the things that Habakkuk references here is he references the strength of a deer. He references the strength of the deer. He says, the sovereign Lord, uh, that's the divine name with the, the phrase Adonai with it. Uh, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Now, what's interesting is that when, when we put up uh, things on our walls, if we're hunters, we, we often put up this part of the deer. And Habakkuk is talking about the other part of the deer, the legs. He's talking about these things that give uh, energy and propel the, the legs of a, of a deer to go up into the high places in life. And it's the sovereign Lord 
who gives strength to our feet today. And one of the things, um, one of the places where we find this word for strength, the sovereign Lord is my strength, is Psalm 84. In Psalm 84, uh, it says this. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. And that's actually a different word for strength there. But in whose heart are the highways to Zion? As they go through the valley of Baha, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. Here's where the word occurs. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. What I want you to see here, blessed are those whose strength is in you. In whose hearts are the highways to Zion? What the psalmist is referring to here is going up to worship the Lord and, and having a, a heart that is set upon knowing God and, and bringing glory to God in every circumstance of life. And it's in that, when it talks about the Valley of Baca, Baca it refers to a place of weeping. As they go through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, Springs are abundance, and it's this picture that even in the midst of weeping, God can bring water in such a way that we are encouraged and we are renewed so that we go from strength to strength. Remember, strength comes from the Lord, and each one appears before God in Zion. And so I want to end with this question. How can I worship God today? How can you worship God today in the midst of what you are facing, uh, whether it be a health issue, whether it be anxiety, whether it be just the worry of, God, I don't know where the next week is going to go. God, I don't know where the next two weeks are going to go. Lord, I have, I have someone in my family or someone in my, my friend group who is suffering with this or with this or with this. What do we do? How can I worship God today? And I want to suggest to you a couple of things based upon even part of uh, Havakuk's Shigianoth. The first one is this. Make a list of what God has done. Remind yourself of how God has brought you um, salvation. Re make a list of how God has provided for you in the past. I, I dare say... Our list could get really, really long if we were to spend even 20 minutes thinking about this. And, and maybe write sticky notes on the fridge. If you've got a big sticky note um, thing, write, write one on each sticky note. Stick it on your fridge. Uh, maybe you have banner paper at home and you want to write things that God has done on this big piece of banner paper. You want to put it up somewhere. Maybe you keep a, a prayer journal or a notebook. Start writing down. Maybe you already have it. Things that God has done to show his faithfulness and to show his goodness in your life. Um, maybe you could blow up a balloon that you have home, grab a Sharpie and begin to write on it. Or maybe you have a soccer ball or football. Kids, check with your parents before you do that. Um, and you want to write down next to where it says, you know, Wilson or whatever. Uh, you want to write down, here's something God has done and here's something God has done. So every time you play with that, every time you throw that ball or whatever, you're reminded that God is a faithful God and, and God has done amazing things on behalf of us. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is to, to trust God uh, for future deliverance, both in the present and really ultimately uh, trust that God will come again. Uh, have your eyes firmly planted upon the, the second coming of the Messiah while we live here in this midst. Don't let our hope become centered upon the things around us. Remember 
Our joy is in the Lord, and we look forward to the day where we will be with Him, and we can find uh, just great peace in that truth. Um, A third option for you is to sing out loud. Uh, One of the best things that we can do, friends, sometimes, even if we're not the greatest singer, is to begin to sing. I love the hymn that says, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. And there's there's a special thing that happens when we begin to sing, because singing and declaring who God is and what God has done in the midst of our circumstance is often a way that we can lift our eyes from the things around us, and they can be centered again upon Him. So that's maybe something you can do in your home, uh, maybe something that you want to record and you want to share. Um, fourth, uh, abide in Christ. And that might sound like a super spiritual thing. Um, abiding in Christ really comes down to two fundamental principles. Um, actively, daily, spending time with God in prayer and spending time in the Scripture. Um, By doing both of those, we begin to learn God's heart, we begin to learn God's will, and we allow through prayer this conversation with God. Prayer prayer is not just a, hey, God, give me this. It's it's, it's a conversation with God where we we find time to, to, to be silent before the Lord. We find time to hear from God, and one of the ways we hear from God is we read His Word. Um, D.L. Moody once said this. He said, I used to think that I should close my Bible and pray for faith, but I came to see that it was in studying the Word that I was to get faith. Scripture study, Scripture memory, that's another thing you can do. Take a great passage, a psalm maybe, maybe the one that's on our sheet today, uh, in Exodus 15, which happens right after the, the deliverance at the Red Sea. I will sing to the Lord, for he has highly exalted the horse and his rider. He's thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. Find these, find these passages in which to remember and to declare what God has done for you. And then in the midst of your struggle, um, Remember who God is and remember what God has called you there to do. And maybe it's to be an encouragement to someone else. Maybe it's to um, write a card. Maybe it's to give a phone call. Maybe it's a way that you can say, I want to get my, my, my focus of my life off of my problems. God, I want to worship you. God, I want to be an encouragement. How can I do that today? How can I be a support today? How can I reach out to my, my son, my daughter, my spouse, to my aunt, my uncle, to a friend, how, how can my life be about bringing the good news of Jesus into someone else's life and encouraging, with, um, encouraging them with that today? All right, so there are some fantastic, I hope for you, um, ways in which you can seek to worship God today. Um, I'm going to pray in just a moment to close, but a couple, a couple of things before I do that. Um, uh, midweek Bible study and prayer will be happening this week on Wednesday at 12 noon to 1240. We invite you to join us if you want to know how to get there. Send us an email and we'll send you the link. And um, there's also, of course, the bulletin. You can uh, catch up on some things there. Uh, but after I pray, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Take the next 15, 20 minutes with your family or if, you, or if you're um, with spouse or something like that. Um, why don't you go ahead and engage with some of these questions in these Bible passages that Ron has put together for us. You'll find the, um, the study guide there available underneath where you're watching this. Download that, talk about it as a family, and find these practical ways and live out these practical ways to, to say, God, you are faithful, you are good. In the midst of our struggle, you care about us, you love us, and God, we trust you. 
Let's pray together. Our Father and our King, we thank you so much that you are faithful to us. And not only are you faithful to us, God, you desire a relationship with us. You, you care about our every need. And not only do you care about them, God, you have the power to deal with them. And we trust you in your perfect wisdom, in your perfect grace to, to lead and guide us along the path that we have before us this day and this week. Lord, help us to live in this moment. Help us to think about the future as you've taught us to in the book of James. If God wills, we will do this or we will do that. But in the midst of this moment, God, let us seek first your kingdom, your righteousness. As we, as we look forward to the day in which we'll be reunited with you, um, God, we seek first your kingdom, your righteousness. We want to be about those things which are deeply on your heart, loving you with all of our heart, soul, and strength, loving others as ourselves. And God, even these two truths can be really, really difficult to live out. And we need the work of your Spirit to help us do that. And so, Lord, give us again today wisdom to know what it means to walk humbly with you. Lord, teach us what it means to do justice and to love mercy. God, teach us what it means to rely upon you, and even to praise you in the midst of the current struggle we have. God, you know each struggle. You know each challenge. You know each doubt. You know each anxiety. And God, you meet us there. And we bless you and we thank you, God, for caring for us so graciously. Now, as we go our separate ways, as we dive into the study guide, as we go throughout the rest of our Sunday, God, may all we say and do seek to bring glory and honor to your name. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Messiah and our Redeemer. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If we can serve you in any way, we encourage you to contact us through the ways on our website or on your bulletin. There's contact information there too. Uh, we'd love to be able to serve you however we can. Um, God bless you and may um, God's face shine upon you this week. May God be gracious to you and give you his shalom, his peace that transcends all understanding. We, uh, we're so thankful that we serve a faithful God. Blessings. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.